0: Last time we talked about what it means to be a force multiplier at work as a Christian executive. And we talked a little bit about what is the definition of a force multiplier. And I want to add a couple things to that. We're talking about bringing together a factor or perhaps a combination of factors that's going to give people or the weapon system in use the ability to accomplish much greater feats than you would be able to accomplish without the force multiplier. And one of the things I said last time was that God himself is the greatest force multiplier. There were so many times in the history of Israel when they were going into battle and he would cut down the army. Oh, no, that's too many people send more away, send more out of the scene. So maybe he'd be left with 200 people and they're going against a huge, gigantic army. He wanted them to know it was not their power, not their might that won the battle. However, it was God who fought on their behalf. He was the force multiplier so that even they as a much smaller force, a much smaller entity could defeat the other nations. And so that's what we mean when we talk about a force multiplier. It takes that which is small and magnifies the impact of it many fold. And so in the workplace, as a Christian executive, you are one of God's instruments that he uses strategically as a force multiplier. So what I want to talk about today is what's involved in being a force multiplier. How do you prepare yourself to serve in that capacity? And one of the things that is most important to keep in mind is that you have to maintain your connection to God at a very high level. But the decisions that you have to make and the decisions that you're helping your People have work to make and to think through, go beyond what is available in natural and human wisdom. So you really are going to need divine counsel, divine input, divine direction in order to figure out what to do next. So this means in staying connected to God, it means that you have to know God. You have to have a relationship. With God on an ongoing basis. And one component of that relationship is a life of prayer. It is through conversation with God in prayer. And a lot of the time that we're not just speaking to God, but that He's also speaking to us. And we are listening through prayer. It's through that medium that He gives guidance and gives direction. And tells us the next steps and issues warnings and so much more that we need to know about. There have been times in my life when I have sought God's direction, God's counsel. I've been in prayer to God about something. And then over the next so many days, He brings answers and revelation and reveals things about what I've asked. And it may come through radio program that I'm listening to. It may come through a scripture that I'm reading. It may come through a conversation that I have with a friend. It might come through a sermon at church or whatever. But what I'm saying is when we ask God, he does respond. And he does give us his viewpoint and his counsel on whatever it is that we have asked about. So prayer is really huge, and it connects us to the heart of God. It connects us to his guidance. Now, I also mention that sometimes God will speak through other means. So one of those means is through his word. So being in the scriptures and reading those on a daily basis, we're like getting what I call the Popeye spinach, our our supernatural food for the day. That spiritual food and sustenance gives a perspective and it orients our heart and mind on a daily basis with the heart and mind of God so that we don't drift off, but we stay connected not only to him, but connected to his thoughts, connected to his ways. So that when we think about the Lord's prayer, And the Lord's Prayer talks about thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we're not in a steady diet of what God's word is and what he's saying, how will we even know what his will is on the earth or even remember what it is in heaven and how things are already in motion and in play? So prayer is a piece of it. Bible study on a daily basis is a part of it so that we, again, are getting a strong infusion of God's perspective in everything that we do. So we want to be in a position to listen to God and then to follow God. And one of the things I'll mention to you is this, what God's direction is may not always be intuitively obvious. And one example I think about is when David had decided that he wanted to build a house for God, it sounded like a great idea and a wonderful idea. And in fact, the prophet said to David, you're aligned with God, you're following God, that makes sense what you are planning to do, so do all that's in your heart to do in building this house for God. Now, in the meantime, God came along and spoke to the prophet and said, no, that's not really what I want to have happen in this situation. You go back and you tell David that he is not the one to build the house for me. Rather, his son will build the house for me. And God further added and told him, how are you going to build the house for me? I, I own everything there is, not only on earth and in this world, but in the whole Uh, universe. He says, I'm really going to build a house for you, is what he told King David through the prophet. And he did allow King David to prepare for that house that his son Solomon was going to build. And so David amassed all kinds of wealth that he set aside, all kinds of building materials and got people lined up and ready to go so that when his son Solomon would build the temple that they would have all the materials that were required to build this magnificent temple of God. So, this is an example where it looked like and sounded like a good idea for David to build the house, but God spoke to the prophet and said, no, it's a great idea, but not for you. And so, you will prepare for it and you will collect items for it. However, your son is the one who ultimately will build this temple, this house for the Lord. So when we are staying close to God in his word and staying close to God in prayer, he redirects our thoughts and he gives us a God thought. He gives us his thought and his perspective on whatever the situation is that we're facing. So as you are coaching and mentoring people in your workplace, and as you are before God, you will hear the master stories of the Bible, the accounts that have happened already in the past, and God will show you how those accounts relate to the people of today and the ones are seeking your counsel he will give you revelation designed for you to share with that person and as you share with that person and as you have been listening to the spirit of god hearing the spirit of god talk about your coachee or your mentor's life your protege's life he will give you something to share with them and it'll be a revelation that resonates in their soul as well, because God is speaking to them as well as speaking to you. And then they will say, Oh, you know, that confirms something that God is also speaking to me, which is a great thing when that happens. And then that gives you a sense of encouragement that you are hearing from God and hearing right and hearing correctly in that sense. God also wants us to be in this place of praise and gratitude to Him for the work that he is doing. And when we see him at work in our workplace and we see him at work in our lives and in the lives of our protégés, it's a time for celebration. It's a time for gratitude and thanksgiving and giving God all the honor and glory that truly is due his name. So we want to stay in that place of praise. We want to stay in that place of thanksgiving which opens up our hearts and minds to receive even more from the Lord in terms of his guidance and his direction. The other part about this whole business of coaching and mentoring people at work is that it means not only are you close to God and constantly listening to him, not just for yourself, but on behalf of what he might share with you for your protege, It also means that there's there's a willingness that God is cultivating in you to share your life with the people that you are coaching and mentoring and to share your life at a deep level. Sometimes there will be experiences that you've had in your life. You may not have thought about them in a while. In a particular moment, God may want you to share that story, that example from your own life as a way to encourage the person that you are coaching and that you are mentoring because of something that's going on in their life. So there's an element of vulnerability here that's very important to being a very good coach and being a very good mentor. You will coach the people who are on your team and who are your your direct reports. You will mentor people who may not be in your organization at all. They may not be in your company. These are people who are also in your orbit and they may come to you. Maybe they work for another company. Maybe they're across town, across the country somewhere and god has paired the two of you together for this mentoring relationship so whether you're coaching or whether you're mentoring you're sharing your life with the person that you are coaching and mentoring. And we remember Paul is a great example, as I mentioned before, when he would be talking to Timothy and he would talk about his chains, but he would say, but the gospel is not chained. He would talk about people who betrayed him along the way. And he would say, but God is going to deal with that. And so he would share often of these stories, how he felt about them, what God was doing in the situation, and how God answered and provided everything he needed in spite of whatever persecution he may have been going through, whatever sense of lack he might have had that was temporary. And so through these stories, he's also encouraging Timothy for whatever Timothy might experience as well. So I would say the stories that we end up sharing with those we coach and those that we mentor will fall in a number of categories. And I'll just name a couple right now. We want to share some stories of mistakes even that we have made. The mistakes show our own humanity and our vulnerability. It lets the coachee know that they too will make mistakes. It's okay. They don't have to be perfect in any kind of way because none of us are perfect. And it will also show how we triumph through those mistakes to get to the other side. So there are stories of mistakes. There are stories of victories. And mostly those victory stories are designed to show God's grace and favor in our lives and how he provides for us along the way. And then a third kind of story I'll say is a story of God's faithfulness. Maybe in a tough situation, a difficult situation, we have to make a tough choice. We hope we're on the right track. And then God shows us his faithfulness throughout all of this. So I want to give just minor uh, brief examples of uh, how Uh, stories that are similar to these from my own life. When I think about mistakes, some of the biggest mistakes that I have made in business have been timing mistakes. The order in which you do something in business really matters. Before you go to step 10, let's say you might need to have some prerequisites. You might need to have step five in place. You might need step three in place. And there have been times when I tried to go to step eight and I did not have the prerequisites. I did not have the things in place. So what that meant was that I didn't have the foundation for what I was stepping into at the time. It cost me a lot of money. It cost me a lot of time. It was wasted effort because I couldn't use it then because it was the wrong thing at the wrong time. Now, it might have been the right thing at another time, however, not at that time. So when you are engaging a step and it's the wrong thing for that time, it's really the wrong thing. And so, those were some painful lessons because often the financial resources that I lost, I didn't really feel that I had the margin to make that kind of loss at that time. So, learning opportunities, learning lessons, and getting better at vetting what is the next best step, the next right step and resource for me. So that would be an example of a mistake that was made. And I made some of those mistakes more than once where I had things out of order. And to be able to share that with someone so that let they make their own mistakes, they realize they too are human. They too can learn from those mistakes. So that's an example. Another example would be in terms of something that's maybe a God's faithfulness story. I recall the time when my mother was still living and she was very ill, and I had to make some real clear decisions about my work life, how I was going to work and in what way. And at the same time, my husband was in the military, but in an assignment that was away from where I was living at the time. And so I had to change my work life in order to go to visit my husband on the right intervals and to go to visit my mother clear across the country and be a part of taking care of her. I was her oldest daughter. And although there were others available to do things day to day, I needed to come in periodically to provide respite and relief for those who were on the front line on an ongoing basis. And that translated to be about once a month. So the old sort of notion that when we seek God first and his priorities and what he's told us to do, the things we worry about, whether it be food, shelter, clothing, employment, and so on, He handles those things, and he takes care of those things. And so what I found happened, because I had to make the decision to radically shift my work affiliation at the time, not knowing where I was going to land, how it was going to land, if it was going to work out. And God was gracious. God was faithful. And I landed in a prosperous place, and I was able to visit my husband once a month. I was able to visit my mother once a month and to take care of her because God, as he said, will provide those things that he knows that we need when we're first prioritizing him and his priorities. And then I would say a victory story that came out of that and that was related to it is that in transitioning my work plan I wanted to make sure that my employer really had all of their bases covered and that they would be able to be successful and function with my departure. And so I offered my services in a particular way to allow them to cover those bases until I could be replaced and so on and so forth, because that was the right thing to do. And I wanted to do the right thing. What I didn't know is that God would use that to open up a door and to provide exceedingly and abundantly above all that I had asked for and all that I thought about or even considered asking for, because there were some things that weren't available routinely that weren't on the table and that were offered to me and later served me for many, many years in my life and in my career because That was a victory of grace and favor that God put in place as he saw me responding to the opportunity that was in front of me. And so sometimes your protege is going to go through something that feels risky, that feels scary. And they wonder, can I really make this right choice or decision? Will there be a safety net? Will God be there? And there are many stories in your life where you can share that it was not a free fall to destruction. It wasn't a free fall to death, but God's safety net was right in place, even though you couldn't see it, even though you didn't know that it was going to be there. In fact, it was. So these stories from our own lives where we're willing to share, willing to be vulnerable willing to listen to the Holy Spirit as he may bring to remembrance a story you haven't thought about in years. and Maybe it's something you've not shared with anyone. However, the protege you're talking to that day, that's the story that they need to hear. That's the one that would most encourage them in whatever their circumstances are and whatever it is that they're going through. So again, it's being very sensitive to the Holy Spirit as he's leading and guiding in what to share, what story to tell as we go along the way. And always in this role, when you're being God's force multiplier at work, you are modeling what it means to coach others at work, what it means to mentor others, because as your protege benefits from what you're doing for them, they can pay it forward to the other people who are in their lives and who are coming behind them. So again, you want to be the cheerleader for the people that you are coaching and mentoring. You want to be a sounding board willing to go through what I'm going to call the labor pains, the birthing pains, as they are bringing to life what God has put on their hearts for the purpose that they're serving in the marketplace, in the workplace. So you're a midwife of sorts, whether male or female, you are aiding in this birth that God is birthing in the workplace. And it's not really your work, it is God's work. And he's allowing you to work where he is working to bring to life and to bring to fruition those things that he has in mind to bring to fruition in the workplace. So think of yourself as God's instrument, kind of along the lines of when we say that iron sharpens iron. You are being that instrument that God is using to make a difference and to sharpen your brother or sister in the workplace so that they can be an instrument that is ready for God's purposes for them. And many times you may have to share with them a little bit about how to deal with opposition that they may face. On the pathway and on the journey. A lot of what God has us doing in the workplace so that there's a greater impact is thinking about His timing and how He wants to use things at the right time. So we're back to timing again. And God often has us focusing more on the positive. However, sometimes there are those warning things, the negatives, whether in ourselves or in the environment that we want to pay attention to and we want to warn the protege about as well. And God is always reshaping the battlefield for his glory and for his advantage, which ultimately means for our advantage as well, because we are God's instruments and we are on his side Of the battle. And there are many spiritual resources that he brings to bear in multiple situations, the the powerful force multipliers in our lives and in the lives of our proteges. And sometimes our proteges can't see what those spiritual resources are that are in their environment. But God will give you the eyes to see them in the moment. Kind of like when the prophet in the Old Testament was well, not worried about all the enemies that were surrounding his house, but his servant was like, well, how come you're so calm? The prophet was saying, you know, greater in essence is he that's with us than he that's with you. And the servant's looking around, I don't see anybody. We're here by ourselves. And look at all these men surrounding us. And the prophet asked God to open the eyes of the servant. And when God opened the eyes of the servant, he saw a whole host of Of angels round about with weapons drawn there to protect the prophet and his servant. Without the spiritual eyes, the servant didn't see God's spiritual resources, didn't see God's provision. So, likewise, you are in the workplace, even when surrounded sometimes by challenge or difficulty, you will see what God is providing and therefore can encourage your protege asking God to open their eyes and you can call out what it is that you see in the workplace that they may not be aware of. So as we think about this whole thing about what does it take to commit yourself to being God's force multiplier at work, remember your first allegiance is to God himself and to cultivating that relationship with God through prayer, through the study of the word of God, being in tune with the Holy Spirit, and just listening so that as God brings master stories to remembrance for you, he's going to bring master stories of his word to remembrance for those that you're also coaching and also mentoring. And then be willing to be vulnerable and to share your life with your protégés the good the bad and the ugly and the story is really about god and god's greatness and goodness and what he has done for you as an encouragement for what he will also do for them and you're then also modeling how to be a coach how to be a mentor in the workplace so today i want to close with matthew the 26th chapter And I'll read verses 36 to 44. And this is actually Jesus in the garden, just before he's going to be taken away and go through the kangaroo trials and then ultimately be crucified. So it was the garden of Gethsemane, and he's there with his disciples. So Matthew 26, starting with verse 36, and it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed saying, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words, And then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The bottom line of these verses is this. God is calling us to watch and pray. Just before this, Jesus had warned Peter about the temptation facing him and how that Peter would deny him three times. And instead of praying in this this hour for strength to get through a trial, Peter with the others is falling asleep. So we want to learn from this. We want to be alert. We want to watch and we want to pray. We want to be strengthened every day by God for whatever it is that we have to face in our day. And we want to model this for our protégés and teach them the same thing, because that's what they're going to need to be marketplace ministry leaders in the workplace, to do a great work on behalf of God through the resources that he's providing. leadership resources.